going on? Happy Monday. Pete Callender here. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. The phone number is 704-570-1110 and 1-800-WBT-1110. And you can also shoot me an email, Pete at thepetecallendershow.com. And I'm on Twitter at Pete Callender. Remember, get the podcast. All right. So uh, new developments in what was one of Charlotte's most famous, infamous, famous murder trials. This is the Kim Thomas murder from the early 90s. And uh, this is a story that uh, popped different times over the course of the last 30 years in different ways when new developments occurred. And we have yet another one, according to the Charlotte Observer. And the attorney for Kim Thomas's husband, who was charged, but then charges dropped against him for the murder of his wife. So here's how Michael Gordon's piece at the Charlotte Observer starts. A prominent Charlotte defense attorney claims police have uncovered evidence that could finally solve one of the city's most notorious criminal mysteries. Who committed the gruesome 1990 murder of Kim Thomas? Now, David Rudolph, the lawyer, wants a judge to order the Charlotte-Mecklenburg Police Department to release what it knows about the case. Kim Thomas was a 32-year-old Charlotte activist. She's the doctor's wife. She was a new mother. Uh, She was found inside her Cotswold home on July 27, 1990, handcuffed, her throat repeatedly slashed, her 10-month-old son in his crib nearby. Her death and the prolonged failure of Charlotte-Mecklenburg police to find her killer has reverberated through the city for decades. So I turn now, this is a... uh, This is a book called Charlotte True Crime Stories, Notorious Cases from Fraud to Serial Killing. And it's written by Kathy Pickens. She's a lawyer and a college professor at Queens in the McColl School of Business and uh, former provost at uh, Queens University of Charlotte. And uh, she's also a true crime columnist for Mystery Readers Journal. And she compiled this Uh, This book, and she's local. Uh, She teaches new writers through Charlotte Lit and works with former inmates on starting their own businesses and writing their own stories. So uh, this is, again, a book called Charlotte True Crime Stories, and it has a whole bunch of the, uh, you know, the biggest cases going back hundreds of years uh, from Charlotte and, well, and the area. Because, for example, there's another one, the uh, Josh Griffin, you know, uh, murder of uh, Kim Medlin, I believe, in Union County several years ago. There are missing persons cases like Asia Degree, Kyle Fleischman, Ray Carruth. Uh, that story is uh, covered in this book as well. But as is the Kim Thomas murder. And uh, for folks who may not be aware of where this occurred, you know, uh, Wendover Road, and it crosses with Billingsley Road. And... Uh, oh, I'm sorry, it, uh, it crosses with Randolph Road, and Randolph Road crosses with Billingsley. So you have this sort of like this uh, this square, right? So Wendover Road goes all the way uh, all the way from uh, Monroe Road, and it crosses over Randolph. And it's right where that, if you know this road at all, you, you know exactly what I'm going to say. It's it's near the really bendy part. It, it curves right before you kind of get to the Eastway area, right? Wendover Road has that really big curve, and there's like that wooden fence that's all on that one side. That's where this occurred 
there's a little road that that stubs off of Wendover. It's called Churchill Road. And coincidentally, uh, we recently went to a, a colleague of my wife. They had a uh, they had a gathering, and we went over there, and we're pulling in. And Christie's like, "Churchill Road, isn't this isn't this where Kim Thomas and Doctor Friedland lived?" And yes, it was. The house is no longer there. It was all torn down, and the woods everywhere around there was all torn down, and they've done infill development there. But that's where this occurred, right across the street. For, so right across the street from where this house was, and this was like sort of a well-to-do area, right across the street from it was a not-so-well-to-do area, okay? July 27th, Cotswold, Kim Thomas, Ed Friedland, uh, he's a kidney specialist. They, got, uh, they were from New York. They went to Miami. Then they landed in Charlotte. And uh, Kim Thomas had, I think at one point she was a stock trader as well. But when she got to Charlotte, she uh, started engaging in activism. She uh, took on a leadership role with the local chapter of the National Organization of Women. Uh, She wrote a book called A Charlotte Child, A Guide for the Pregnant Woman. She and her husband, they bought a home. It had a lot of windows. They liked it. It was on a wooded lot. It was just off uh, Wendover Road. Those who knew her talked about her excitement over their newly adopted son. She had always wanted a baby, and they were the first in North Carolina to have an independent adoption without using an agency. Um, They had marital problems at the beginning. Um, They had gone back and forth for years about whether or not they should get married. Uh, Ed wasn't sure about whether he wanted to have a baby because they were so busy. He was working all the time and all that. But they they finally uh, go ahead and and adopt the child. And according to the Charlotte Observer reporter, Elizabeth Leland, Kim Thomas's murder was the 54th homicide in 1990. Uh, It would, by by the end of the year, it it would set one of the high watermarks for Charlotte homicides at 97. At the time of Kim Thomas's murder, which, by the way, by comparison today, right, we're somewhere close to that now, but we have way more population. So that's, it was way more dangerous just on a per capita basis uh, 30 years ago in Charlotte. At the time of Kim Thomas's murder in 1990, the police department had eight homicide investigators. By 1997, they had 22. So a near tripling of their homicide staff, which they cleared every single case in 1997. They cleared every single homicide case that year. So you kind of get an idea of the, the lack of resources that the CMPD had at the time. Four years after Kim Thomas's murder, July 1994, Dr. Ed Friedland is formally charged with his wife's murder. And there's a lot of speculation as to why it took that long and what precipitated it, but news had come out that he had had an affair, or maybe more, I'm not sure, but uh, there, there was this turning against him in the local community because he was kind of aloof and he wasn't... He wasn't, you know, reacting the way people thought he should, like that kind of thing. And so they go to trial. And I found this really interesting because I wasn't here in 1995. Well, I was in Rock Hill, but I wasn't following this uh, this trial. I was in college at the time. But the prosecution brought in Dr. Michael Bodden. You know who this guy is, right? He's all over like the... Court TV, True TV, whatever it's called nowadays, right? He's all he he, he uh, flies in and is an expert witness in all sorts of cases. In fact, 
if I recall correctly, David Rudolph, who represented Ed Friedland in this trial, David Rudolph called Michael Bodden to testify on behalf of his clients, I want to say in the, uh, the trial of the author up in the Durham area, Michael Peterson, as we saw in the, uh, the documentary um, The Staircase on Netflix. Have you heard about this? The, he's an author. And his wife was, uh, you know, attacked inside their home, and uh, the police charged him. David Rudolph represented Michael Peterson. Um, Rudolph also represented Ray Carruth in his murder trial of his pregnant girlfriend, Sharika Adams. And uh, Carruth is now out. I guess it's been, which is nuts, it's been like 19 years, and so his sentence was, uh, was served. But um, I think he used Michael Bodden for that one as well. But in this case... Bottom was called by the prosecution, and David Rudolph was cross-examining him. It became a key moment for the trial and why Dr. Friedland was never convicted. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Quick reminder... Light the Nights Festival going on now through January 6th. I was actually in Uptown this weekend and uh, like a block away. It looks insane. <laughs> I mean, the amount of lights they've got, it looks amazing. And I was just on the outside of it. It's like the whole park is lit up. It's beautiful. So go check it out. It's Light the Nights Festival. they got snow tubing. They've got, uh, it's like six lanes. I don't know if they're doing any kind of competitive racing or something or if they'll allow it. But it's a 150-foot hill right on the field. They got the ice skating where, and they got hockey. They're going to be doing tournaments. Um, you could buy uh, local Christmas gifts as well while you explore the holiday market. And they got the Charlotte Christmas Village. They got the Snowtastic Winter Wonderland, Christmas Tree Lane, live performance, Santa Claus, light shows, holiday treats. Yeah, it's an event. Light the Nights Festival, now through January 6th. All right, so uh, are we actually getting closer to finding out who murdered Kim Thomas in Charlotte July 27th, 1990? 32-year-old new mom, doctor's wife, found inside her Cotswold home, handcuffed, um, 10-month-old son in his crib nearby, and... It took four years, but the CMPD finally charged somebody in the case, and it was the husband, Dr. Friedland, Dr. Ed Friedland, who said he did not do it. In a pretrial hearing in March of 1995, the prosecution brings in Dr. Michael Bodden. Uh, he's a former New York City medical examiner, and as described in this book, Charlotte True Crime Stories, by uh, Kathy Pickens. He is a uh, star power name in the forensic pathology world. So he comes to court testifying as to the time of death. And this was a key element of the case because Dr. Friedland said that he had left about 7.45 or 8 a.m. to go to work. And his co-workers corroborated when he arrived at the office. But if she had been murdered prior to 7.30... Well, that means he was still at the home. But if she had died later, 
well, he couldn't have done it, right? Makes sense. The Mecklenburg County Medical Examiner, Dr. Michael Sullivan, had performed the autopsy and testified that she likely died in the early morning. Dr. Bodden's testimony for the prosecution was that it was, quote, much more likely that she died before 7.30 that morning. So David Rudolph, who is the attorney representing Ed Friedland, he argues that this case needs to be dismissed because what Dr. Bodden was using in order to get this time of death, he, <laughs> Rudolph called it voodoo evidence. Well, I mean, this was these were the 90s, right? Voodoo, voodoo this, voodoo that. It was all over the place. Voodoo economics with, you know, with Reagan, like all of that stuff that we had just come through. So the judge decides uh, that uh, the standard for medical testimony in North Carolina is to a reasonable degree of medical certainty. Okay? Reasonable degree. And Dr. Bodden was not able to say that he was reasonably certain, just that it was more likely than not. That's it. The judge ruled that's not enough to meet the burden of proof. And without that, you don't have the time of death. You don't have the time of death. The DA's office drops the charges because you can't you can't go to trial, not get the conviction and then try him again. Right. No double jeopardy. So they didn't want to lose the opportunity to charge Friedland again. Okay. There was another suspect, a guy by the name of Marion Gales, and he lived in the area. He worked in the area doing odd jobs, handyman work in the neighborhood where Thomas and Friedland lived. In fact, he had done work at their house. A friend of Kim's told the cops, hey, you should look at this guy. Marion Gales' own brother-in-law told police the day after the murder, he said Gales just wasn't acting right. Others pointed out that Marion Gales admitted to the murder to other inmates in jail over the ensuing years. So David Rudolph and Dr. Ed Friedland, they file civil not charges, but a civil complaint, a lawsuit. And they're going to make their case in a civil trial to a jury. They're going to sue Marion Gales for a whole bunch of money that they know he doesn't have and they know he can never repay, but they're going to sue him in order to lay out their theory of the case. Why? In an effort to clear Dr. Ed Friedland's name. Because years have gone by and no one has ever been charged. CMPD, the DA, no one has done anything else. And so the, the stigma, the, the belief that Friedland did it persists. And so they wanted to undermine that. So they filed this lawsuit. And here is some of the evidence that uh, is laid out in an Observer, Charlotte Observer article, um, or sorry, Charlotte Magazine article um, by Cynthia Lewis. Marion Gales lived a five-minute walk from the Wendover Road uh, house where Thomas lived. A neighbor saw Gales in the area at 4.30 that morning, and he looked, quote-unquote, high. And witnesses say he owned handcuffs, though he said he no longer did. No one ever linked handcuffs 
to Ed Friedland because Kim Thomas was handcuffed when murdered. Ed Friedland never had handcuffs. Marion Gales did. That day, this one seems kind of important. That day, Gales was seen wearing bloody clothes. <laughs> yeah, that, that one, that's, yeah, that's kind of a tell, I think. That's a really big piece of evidence. There's more. Newstalk 1110-993-WBT. 32-year-old unsolved murder in Charlotte. Maybe close to being solved. Maybe some charges filed against an individual that was originally one of the two suspects, but then was ignored basically for 30 years. Kim Thomas was murdered July 27, 1990 in her home. Handcuffed, throat slashed, 10-month-old son in his crib nearby. The police, four years later, charge, or the DA charges Ed Friedland, Kim Thomas's husband, who says he did not do it. The case is, or the charges are dropped when they cannot, uh, the prosecution cannot use a uh, New York medical examiner, expert, to testify as to the time of death. And because they could not use that information or use that evidence, that testimony. They had really no case because they couldn't prove that Dr. Friedland was there at the time of the murder. So they dropped the charges. A couple years after that, the lawyer for Dr. Friedland sues the other suspect in the case, Marion Gales, creates a, a civil trial with a jury. Gales has some volunteer lawyers because there's no, you know, uh, no public defender in a civil case. And this, of course, prompts people to argue that, oh, you're just railroading this poor, you know, uh, troubled guy in the neighborhood. And there was a racial component because Friedland and Thomas were white. Marion Gales is black. And so there's that whole thing going on. And so uh, people were like, oh, we, you know, they were convinced that Friedland killed his wife. But Marion Gales lived like within a five minute walk, very close. A neighbor saw him that morning at like 4.30 in the morning saying he looked high. Witnesses reported that he um, he owned handcuffs, like the ones found uh, to restrain Kim Thomas. That day of the murder, he was seen wearing bloody clothes and dock siders, which are, are shoes, right? And that would match the bloody shoe print that was identified at the scene. The crime followed a pattern of Marion Gales' past crimes, including breaking into houses where he had worked and where from outside he could case the layout through the windows. The Friedland house, the uh, Thomas and Friedland, their home had a lot of windows. He had done work for them. Thomas, because a friend of Kim Thomas, or maybe it was her sister, had said like they were in her living room and all of a sudden they see a, a guy come out of the woods behind their house. And she says, oh, that's just Marion. He, he's done some work for us around the house. He has a long history of violence. 1979, he broke into a house just down the street from Kim Thomas's house. 
When the woman surprised him, he shot her in the arm, a non-fatal wound, but an incident that added to his already long prison record. Again, this is from Charlotte True Crime Stories, and it's quoting, um, this is a book, and it's quoting a uh, 2006 Charlotte Magazine article titled Either Or by Cynthia Lewis. Nothing was reported stolen. Her purse, wallet, cash, credit cards, all hanging on the bedroom doorknob. However, following the murder, Gales reportedly had cash. Gales claimed he did not know Kim Thomas, but a friend was at her house one day when he walked out of the woods from the direction of Wendover Road. Kim said he was a guy who did yard work in the neighborhood. He cleaned her deck chairs and walkway that summer, and he could see much of the house's layout through the large windows. Police found no physical evidence from Gales at the scene, and he was known to be sloppy at crime scenes, as evidenced by his numerous arrests. The latest development now is that a homicide detective for Charlotte-Mecklenburg Police has reportedly told Ed Friedland's lawyer, David Rudolph, that investigators have matched DNA found at the murder scene with Marion Gales, who, by the way, is in prison right now, serving a sentence for the murder of another woman. Let me jump over here and get to Eric. Hello, Eric. Welcome to the show. Hey, Pete. How are you today? Hey, I'm good. What's going on? I I spent a month of my life on the jury on the Marion Gales case. On the civil one? Yes. Oh. And I, I went in there thinking the same thing everybody else thought. That the good doctor did it. Mm-hmm. And I said that when we were going through the interviews. I said, you know, I, and the, the judge said, can you be objective during the evidence? And I said, absolutely. Well, long story short, Marion Gales and the, uh, I don't know. The, the lawyer that was representing him um, won the trial for the good doctor because when he was put on the stand, um, he was questioned about a, an assault that took place with his girlfriend where he basically beat the snot out of her. And um, when asked about it, he said, well, women need to get beaten up every now and then to keep them straight. He was a psychopath. So by the end of the trial, the it, I don't remember if the, um, the jury was unanimous, but if they weren't, they were very close to being unanimous in letting the judge know that more likely than not, Marion Gales was responsible for the murder. And it was a piece of absolutely pitiful police work that did not bring him to justice before. Well, and and still, I mean, that's if David Rudolph is to be believed here, and he has filed a motion in court asking for this information to be released, uh, this DNA evidence, 
if, if this is true, then it I mean, that continues to this day. Why would you? Why would they not? Why would they not charge Marion Gales if they've got this DNA evidence? Because it was a giant smudge. Mm. Poor police work. It's I a- no longer live in Charlotte. Um, I I I can't live in Charlotte mm-hmm. uh, because between the politics and the police department, uh, that's not the place for me. But I I will say again, I spent a month of my life there at the courthouse. And um, David Rudolph did not change my mind. Marion Gales changed my mind. And I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but he, um, uh, I guess I'm slandering him, but he's a lunatic. I don't know. Well, I don't know. I mean, that's your assessment of his response when he said that, yeah, women need to be beaten up to keep them in line. I mean, that, yeah, that, that does sound like. He broke his girlfriend's jaw, for God's sake. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah, he has a long rap sheet of assaults on females. Yeah, long well, rap sheet of it. He murdered a pregnant, homeless 27-year-old woman. His DNA linked him to her body. And at first oh he, he denied God. that, but yeah, that, that's what he was in. Uh, that's what eventually sent him away in 2008. Um, and so he's already in custody. So how hard is this now to make this connection? Um, Eric, I appreciate the call. Would you mind hanging on a second? I want to uh, ask if I can get one piece of information from you, if that's all right. Okay, Pete. Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. All right, so new developments as reported by the Charlotte Observer the other day. In a 32-year-old unsolved murder case, and this was like the highest profile murder case in Charlotte uh, in 1990, and it lasted for years because the murder occurred. It was Kim Thomas. She was a local Charlotte activist, new mom, doctor's wife, murdered in her own home in Cotswold. And four years later, her husband, Ed Friedland, is charged in the murder. The charges uh, are dropped when the experts cannot identify when the cause or uh, when the time of death occurred. Two years after that, Dr. Friedland and his attorney, David Rudolph, they sue the other suspect that CMPD had, a guy by the name of Marion Gales. Ton of evidence that it could have been Gales. And CMPD did not pursue him as they did Dr. Friedland. Dr. Friedland like, was dragged by like the entire community here, the whole city. Everybody knew he did it. And you heard Eric, who called in, he said he was on the civil trial, which Marion Gales lost, and he had to pay like millions of dollars, which of course he doesn't have, and now he's back in prison for the murder of a pregnant woman in 2008. And the latest story now is that David Rudolph, the attorney for Friedland, is asking the court to force CMPD to to disclose the DNA evidence that they have because Rudolph says he was told by an unnamed homicide detective that investigators have matched DNA found at the Thomas murder scene 
with Marion Gales, a 60-year-old career criminal long linked to the stabbing who's now serving a prison sentence for the killing of another woman. In an effort to protect any ongoing police investigations connected to the Thomas case, Rudolph asked CMPD last month to reveal the new information only to Kim Thomas's family and her former husband, Ed Friedland. Friedland told the Charlotte Observer this week that he has been living under the cloud of his wife's murder for three decades. And this new DNA evidence, he said, could at least clear his name. But according to an email Rudolph shared with the Observer, CMPD has rejected that request, refusing to disclose any information from what a police attorney describes as a pending criminal investigative matter involving Thomas's death. So now Rudolph wants the courts to get involved. And we shall see. Now, there's one other aspect here to this story, much like Eric said, that he walked into that trial and he said he was confident, certain that Ed Friedland had killed his wife. He knew it because that's what all the coverage was about. That's what all the police reporting was about. Everybody was all on the same page with this. In March of 1997, before the civil case went to trial, Another skirmish erupted in the headlines when Ed Friedland agreed to an interview on WBT with our old host here, Jerry Klein. He has since passed away. He was also a writer over at Creative Loafing, which I believe is now defunct. In 1997, Klein wrote that he had been uh, talking about the case on his show. And the next night, he's he's at the grocery store and a guy comes up to him and introduces himself as Ed. And they chat. And Klein realizes on his way home that was Ed Friedland. So a year later, Friedland is scheduled to talk to Jerry Klein on the show here on BT about the pending civil trial. But the police department sought sanctions against Friedland and his lawyer for violating a protective order issued years earlier in the criminal case. Get that. So they're going to civil court. They're suing Marion Gales to try to present their theory of the case, and try to help clear Friedland's name. And Friedland has agreed to now go on the air here, and CMPD says no, because you you were under a protective order in the criminal case, which the charges were dropped, by the way, years prior, right? Three years ago. Friedland did appear on Klein's show Monday, March 10th, 1997, Jerry Klein admitted that he had not expected to, but he believed Ed Friedland. Everything he had heard had cemented for him Friedland's guilt until they had a chance to talk, and in a very public forum. In Klein's creative loafing article, after he had culled through stacks of case documents, he said, quote, I continue to ask myself over and over whether I'm missing something, whether Ed Friedland has managed to con me, but I just don't see it. It would be easy to resort to some kind of journalistic shield of detachment, of impartiality, to qualify my remarks. But after reviewing mounds and mounds of documentation, I can't do that. Put plainly, I started out believing Ed Friedland was a murderer who had gotten away with it, but I don't anymore. I think he's innocent. In 2009, Marion Gale's Six-year prison sentence was extended under the state's habitual felon statute. He is projected to be released 
in 2025. Kim Thomas's murder officially remains unsolved. But if the court filing from Eric Rudolph or uh, David Rudolph, yeah, there's a yeah, there's a slip, not Eric Robert Rudolph, no, from David Rudolph, if this court filing is correct and CMPD does have DNA evidence that connects him to that connects the murder to Marion Gales. I don't know. I think the least you could do is tell it with the guy that was wrongfully accused. I mean, that's just me. Thank <laughs> you.